Claudia Winkleman at her absolute best. Fingerless red leather gloves. I mean, it's a vibe. Were there many boobies in that first episode? I don't think there was one booby. Okay. I mean, we talk about what I do on a Friday night, but that was really Tiger Tiger, Tuesday night, Little Kitten Heels, Grace was out. Vibes. I was just here for the vibe. This podcast was recorded remotely and contains adult themes and language. Hello and welcome to TV DNA The Watchlist. Our featured show this week is Echo on Disney Plus, 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 Plus. We'll be looking ahead to what we've got coming out this week and giving our predictions on the forthcoming Emmy Awards. My name is Adam Hemming and joining me this week are Damien Cooper. Damien Cooper. And Grace Chapman. Grace Chapman. How are you both? I'm great. Happy New Year. Have I not seen you since the New Year? I don't think so. Can we still get away with that? Happy New Year? I think meaning? we can probably just about still get away with it. Probably till tomorrow, right? Till till that till the twelfth. I think we're good, but then it gets a bit sad. I have seen Damien since New Year because he came to my um, my birthday drinks at the space. Pointed. Awkward. Awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into this then. So, Echo is the new. I'm fine. Thanks for asking, Adam. I'm absolutely fine. Yeah. <laughs> I left enough pauses for you to come in with how you were, and you didn't fill them. Thank you, pardon. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> right, let's get into Echo then. So this is the new show on Disney Plus, new MCU show, and it's the first one under the Marvel Spotlight banner. And the Spotlight banner means that these are intended to be standalone series, where you don't need to have any other knowledge of any other Marvel films or TV shows. So, Demo, just curious to know. How you felt coming into this, not having watched many of the Marvel franchise? Yeah, I mean, I tried. Uh, uh, long-term listeners may know that, as well as struggling with kind of space, spacey stuff, I also really struggle with the superhero stuff. Um, I think it can be well made, but generally, particularly MCU, I find it really hard to engage. But I tried my hardest to come with an open mind because, as you said, it was going to be something almost in isolation from the rest of the MCU. But did you feel that you could follow what was happening to Maya Lopez without having known what was going on around? I mean, (laughs) I don't want any spoilers this early on. I mean, I understood what was going on in the moment. It, It was a show that probably lent itself to not thinking too hard about what was going on in the moment. There was a lot of times when I was like, wait, what? That makes no sense. Or why have they done that? Surely you wouldn't do that. So there was a quite a bit of that going on for me. But in terms of what the characters were saying to each other in the moment, yes, I understood. And I think there is a brief appearance from Daredevil. Is it Hawkeye? Yes. Yeah. I don't know how much of a spoiler that is. It's all within the first couple of minutes. But, I mean, yeah, I understood that. I I know what they are. Yeah, I mean, Echo was introduced in the Hawkeye TV series. So we get a a section of this first episode is footage from Hawkeye covering some key moments from Echo's story in that show. And I thought they did that reasonably well. But I did think if you were completely new to this, that that would be quite fast and, and a bit confusing. But then Echo in the comic books began as a character in the Daredevil comic series. So that bringing Daredevil into this, and indeed the Kingpin is a Daredevil villain by and large, large being the operative word. So yeah, those characters kind of come from that Daredevil Netflix series, not the Disney MCU stuff. So this is making that Netflix show, certainly Daredevil at least, canon within the MCU. Yeah, and I would say from my limited knowledge of MCU films, where it's all very large and it's skyscrapers being blown up and all that sort of shit, we don't get that. It's a much smaller world that we're in. It's definitely the underworld. And, you know, it seems that these things could go on undetected by the rest of New York as it happens. I felt that. My question for you is, obviously, Daredevil is blind, played by Charlie Cox. Other than exceptional hearing... Is there any other way that he can work out what's around him? Yeah, so it's it's not just, I mean, all of his other senses are heightened. So his sense of touch and feeling and his sense of smell and his sense of hearing, they're all heightened senses. So he's he it's kind of, in the comics, it's explained as vibrations through the air. 
And that's how mm. he uses kind of almost sonar to detect what there is around him. Yeah, because there is a really good fight scene. I think it's choreographed exceptionally well between My Lopez, Echo, as it were, and uh, the, and Daredevil. My issue was, I was like, well, this is great because we've got a blind person fighting a deaf person. Okay, that's representation. I don't have an issue with that. My issue was, was that he suddenly leaped over a fence into an area he can't have been in before and was throwing himself through tight gaps and reaching out and pulling things over that there's just no way he would know what was there. So what I mean is, and it felt like it encapsulated my issue with Echoes, which is if you just watch it as it is in the moment and don't think too hard, it's enjoyable. But the moment you try and put any level of critical thinking towards it, it doesn't hold. That was my issue. But I guess that's not really what this is about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at least this was enjoyable in the moment, unlike Secret Invasion which just took that to sort of the 10th degree of like trying to, you know, any sort of critical appreciation of that show was was just doomed to fail. But yeah, I really enjoyed this. I thought it was great. I like Al Aqua Cox plays Smile Lopez. I like, I mean, having come from watching three seasons of Reservation Dogs, I enjoyed the kind of Native American a story element to this. I mean, there's a really brilliant fake out at the beginning where you think you might be watching Aliens but it turns out not to be. It's it's kind of the uh, ancestors of the Choctaw people and the, their creation myth, if you like, their creation story. I mean, this is very much a creation story of Echo the character as well. But this, I know the series was created in consultation with the Choctaw community, and there are, I mean, Reservation Dogs fans will spot quite a few actors who are in both shows. I will also say, I'm a big fan of Vincent Donofrio, I think he's a great actor. He's not in enough. I, I worry if he's another one of these great actors that's just been swallowed up by the MCU and is so contracted up his sphincter that he can't do anything else, which is sadly what has happened to a lot of great talent. Well, maybe not for their bank accounts, but artistically, maybe it's a bigger issue. But he is great in this. We don't see very much of him in the first episode. He's definitely part of the mo opening montage. And I think he's great in that. And then obviously... There is a twist, which I, I thought was pretty obvious. For, for the fact is, if you don't see them die on screen, they haven't died. I mean, if it's good enough for Carl Grimes, right? <laughs> Very true. Very true. Did you get that Walking Dead reference, Grace? Oh, sorry. Hi. Yeah, I'm also here. <laughs> I was just, just actually cleaning my keyboard. Grace on a Friday night. Not a euphemism. Damn it, you got there first. That's what she said. The other bits I enjoyed about this, there's a few little Easter eggs and bits dropped in for the fans. So um, Wilson Fisk is known as the Kingpin. Um, there's a, a fat man auto repair, and he's often described as the fat man. I mean, I think I agree with you. Vincent D'Onofrio is superb. I've watched the first two episodes. He's not in the second one at all, but I know he's going to appear again later on and then the other thing is echo in the comic books has a kind of hand-shaped birthmark on her face um, and that i felt was referenced a few times by sort of blood spatters on people's faces and also the kind of shadow puppetry that is kind of featured in throughout the show as well so is she also one of the orakai then another lord of the rings reference a great reference I think, in short, for someone who is not in, who hasn't bought into the MCU, but quite enjoys something popcorny, I guess, really, you're, you're not finding a deep philosophical treatise on uh, intention in this show. But if you want something that has some very well choreographed fight sequences, is clearly well made and looks good, then I think this is probably one way in. And, you know, sometimes you don't want to think too much. Do you about the telly you're watching? Sometimes you just want to live in the moment. And I'm not an MCU fan either, but it sounds like, as you say, if you just want to pop it on the telly and watch from afar and enjoy, then sounds good having not seen it. The other good thing they do, I think, is, uh, and they're not the first to do it. I mean, we, it's been used in The Walking Dead and Only Murders in the Building, but the, the point of view of the deaf person. So the, that one shot fight sequence goes from her point of view. Uh, oral point of view in that she can't hear what's what's happening and then out into music and, and spins around it's all one shot as well that that long fight sequence yeah i mean what i will say there was another scene with her on a motorbike 
that I was a bit like, why, why, why? Where she's driving, obviously we don't hear anything because it's her POV, and then suddenly we hear the horn of a truck. I'm like, well, sh she wouldn't hear that. Why are we hearing it? I think it, it goes without saying that that truck is beeping its horn at her because she's driving dangerously. Why, why have we suddenly heard that? Yeah, fair, fair points. Um, <laughs> but finally, then it, the show also has Devery Jacobs from Reservation Dogs and Chaske Spencer, who we saw in the English. He plays Patrick Henry, who works at Black Crow Skating, and uh, Jesse Black Crow was one of Marvel's first Native American heroes in the comic books. So it was a nice little nod to that. I thought I will continue watching it. It's definitely not as bad as. I don't think it's bad at all. I think it's a good show. It's not Secret Invasion. I think if you enjoyed Hawkeye, possibly you will enjoy this as well. So we're saying in short, Echoes, it's not shit. Yeah, pretty much that. Uh, Grace, what have you been watching? Oh, well, uh, I I know you've talked about it a couple of times on the pod already, but I just want to chime in on 1670 and the joy that that has given me over Christmas and New Year. Me and my boyfriend, who's Polish, watched it all. And had the best time. Proper belly laughs. Really loved it. It could be a real highlight of my TV sort of six months, really, I'd say. Just totally unexpected. I didn't expect to love it as much as I did. But I really, really loved it. So, yeah, I know you two are big fans. Yes. <laughs> also, Adam, I hear that you... Well, yes, I mean, like this, we as a group discovered this show because of my Netflix algorithm, for some reason, this popped up. I don't know what, foreign language, comedy, maybe. Maybe, I mean, Parks and Rec isn't on Netflix, so how they knew I'd been watching mockumentary stuff, I don't know. But um, it's popped up on my Netflix and I started watching it and recommended it to you guys. So I I thought I would send a little tweet to the Pilot TV podcast, uh, which does have quite a few more listeners than our humble little pod just to let them know about 1670 one of the hosts on there uh, James Dyer he's not a big fan of subtitles or comedy so it was always going to be a bit of a hard sell and that was the kind of gag that I used in my tweet but they read it out on the podcast today can we hear it I think it's rude if they get to read it out but we don't get to read it out what the tweet yeah um I can find the tweet for you if you want me to read the tweet it's famous tweet. Go on, read it. My Twitter handle is hamwings76. Famously. Uh, so that's where you can follow me. I'm going to have to get it on my phone. Oh, oh. derailed everything. Why don't I talk about some other things that I've been watching while you do this? All right, you do that. So obviously I'm into the traitors. Uh, Demo, I know that you perhaps, should we say reluctantly, has been have been dragged in. Uh, so I foolishly mentioned, I think I might have said this in the previous episode, I foolishly mentioned to Reluca that there was a TV show like The Mafia Game. The Mafia Game is one of the games that they played a lot at her school in Romania. She absolutely loves it. And so she has watched it. She watched season one, not Adam style, but in two batches within 24 hours. She's watching season two, counting down the minutes to nine o'clock when it gets released. And she's got her, what she does just to keep her even, which is she started watching The Traitors Australia. She was watching Traitors US, and I thought, I've got to make a tactical decision here. So I put The Traitors Oz on my card and said, this is where you should go. I don't even think that reference is correct. That's how little I'm paying attention to it. <laughs> <laughs> on your little slate back blackboard. Nice. That's what I meant, yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm enjoying it. I really liked series one. I didn't know how they were going to keep surprising us in series two, but because it is a whole different group of people, inevitably, it just is different. The way they think is different. The fact that they know now how season one went, it totally changes the psychology of the experiment. So loving it. Claudia Winkleman at her absolute best. Fingerless red leather gloves. I mean, it's a vibe. <laughs> Have you got a favourite character in this new series, Grace? I really want, I mean, I really want uh, the clairvoyant to, to start to threaten with to people that if they vote for her, she's going to send this, the ghouls after them. That's what I want. I gave a big shout out to Harry and Jasmine last week, but um, I think Miles this week for me has, uh, has replaced them in my affections. Is it safe to say that we think Paul is not as smart or as safe as he thinks he is? Definitely. 100, yeah. 
he's enjoying this way too much. Uh, I think, yeah, I, I love the, um, well, I won't actually, I shouldn't go into spoiler territory here, but there's some of the relationships between the um, contestants I'm really enjoying. So yeah, I need to catch up. I haven't seen last night and obviously last week there was a massive cliffhanger. So I'm looking forward to, to watching that. So I'm back, back in that world. I think that's basically it in terms of what I've been watching. I'm a bit uninspired, guys. I'm not going to lie. We'll have to see if we can do something about that. But I found my tweet. Oh, great. Big recommendation for 1670 on Netflix. Polish 17th century mockumentary style comedy. Very funny. Great characters. Worth a watch, although subtitles and comedy will make it a hard sell for at James C. Dyer. So what we're saying is not only is James C. Dyer of the pilot po- TV Pilot Podcast, a fan of the podcast. It also is the place that they come to to get the freshest recommendations of TV shows. I think that's that's definitely something we could say. Um, but what I was most pleased about was the reaction, uh, because as predicted, James said that he was never going to watch it. But Boyd Hilton, TV critic Boyd Hilton, he said, oh, I've not heard of that one. Mm. So I'm, I'm kind of hopeful that Boyd might watch 1670. We went for a part two next episode where TV critic Boyd says, oh, my goodness me, I'm watching this show, 1670. Have you guys heard of it? And then you'll be like, oh, why I order? (laughs) (laughs) What you order do is tell us what you've been watching, Demo. Oh, Adam, that is delightful. That segue is almost as clean as the segues you did at your birthday drink slash space season launch where... Listeners, if you weren't present, I know we will probably have some new listeners because Adam shamelessly plugged the podcast throughout and it was a delight to behold. But yes, enough of that. Um, I watched uh, Call the Midwife, the latest episode of that, because a friend of mine was in it. So shout out to Scott Barrington, who played a police officer, and he was great in that. Uh, I've watched The Brother's Son, the first episode of that on Netflix which I think was I think was a pretty decent show. I'm probably going to carry on watching it. Well, I've watched four episodes of The Brothers' Son, or soon, as they say at one point in the show. But Grace, this show is set in the Rahul era of Great British Bake Off, as Charles Chairleg's son is rudely interrupted from his baking by three assassins. Whoa! Now, his nickname comes from the weapon he used in his own assassin work for his drug lord father in Taiwan. Uh, what what I would also say is when he is watching the Great British Bake Off and the assassins come for him, uh, he managed to dispatch them and still managed to not have a soggy bottom. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite brilliant how they've choreographed the fights to match the description of what's happening in the Great British Bake Off. Very funny. I really enjoyed that as an opening to the show. But yeah, basically, events happen. can't say much more without giving spoilers, that mean Chairleg, as the red pole of the Jade Dragons, has to travel to America to protect his mum and his younger brother, Bruce, who's unaware of his family's trade. Still with me? Just about. Bruce wants to be an actor and is secretly taking improv classes. Fabulous. Much to everyone else's disgust. I think this is cheeky, it's witty, martial arts comedy that's elevated by the mere presence of Michelle Yeoh who doesn't do much in that first episode, but uh, she's still the most watchable thing in it and has more to do as the show goes on. You you can root for all the characters. You kind of love all of the different characters in the show. But when you meet someone called Blood Boots, uh, your life just improves dramatically. And I also find my final thing on The Brother's Son, I adore the fact that uh, Sleepy Chan's son is called Drowsy Lee. Oh, lovely. (laughs) Can I just check? Is this a comedy then? Would you say? Yeah, it's definitely, it's a martial arts comedy. And I think it is really funny. Speaking of which, you've just reminded me of something that I did actually watch that I forgot to mention earlier. Sorry, Dame, I know you're you're mid-flow, but you'll never guess. Particularly Adam, you'll never guess what I watched. Me. Ah. The Mandalorian. No, no, not not the space. It's not a space, not spacey. It was the first episode of Blue-Eyed Samurai. Yay. (laughs) Really good. Stunning, isn't it? Stunning. Absolutely stunning and really compelling. And for someone who doesn't really watch that type of TV, I was really transfixed by it. So I might carry on with that. Were there many boobies in that first episode? 
I don't think there was one booby. Okay. Maybe mostly in episodes two and three. The boot. So there is quite a bit of booby in the early episodes of Blue Eyed Samurai, but it, it sort of stops after a while. Oh. Where can we watch um, Blue Eyed Samurai? It's <laughs> on Netflix, Damon. Right. Okay. Obviously, just just purely for just for our listeners, in case they they would be interested in watching such a an artistic show. What I will say is, just quickly on on um, Brother Son, I think uh, Michelle Yeoh looked absolutely fantastic in this. Flawless, flawless visage and flawless performance, I'd say. And I don't think this is a spoiler, but my theory is that it's all a massive conspiracy in order for whoever's after, whoever's chasing them, is that they're actually after Michelle Yeoh's character. That's what I think the big twist is. Whether I'm right or wrong, who knows? But something I'm definitely not wrong about is how fantastic Fargo is. The penultimate episode was on Wednesday, and jeez, pretty good, eh? Yeah, I mean, the YMCA, <laughs> needle drop, I thought was fantastic. <laughs> oh, it says so much, so much about what the show's views are on. Um, <laughs> On militias that the YMCA plays. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, Grace, if you're looking for something to watch this season of Fargo, I think it's comparable with the first season in terms of how good it is. The other seasons are good. I think we said previously, but I think that first season and this season are probably the best two. And then the final thing I've watched, and I think this is going to cause some controversy, is I watched Saltburn. And I thought it was a load of rubbish. Oh, no. I think Barry Keown is brilliant. I think it's it's, a, it's an Oscar-worthy performance. My worry is, and it's with it's the same with other Emerald Fennell films, is I don't think it will age well. I don't think, much like Echo, in the moment, fine. But I think looking at it at any level of critical thinking is disappointing. It's like having fast food. In that instance, yeah, you're sated. But about 20, 30 minutes later, you think, mm, was it? Was it that great? I don't know. That, that's my view. I can see that. But for me, I was just having such a riot watching it that I didn't really care that the plot wasn't quite holding up. I was just having such a good time. And it was so wild and mad. And like the visuals, I just love the visuals. I thought they were just gorgeous. And I mainly love the music. I mean, take me back 2006. I mean, we talk about what I do on a Friday night, but that was really Tiger Tiger, Tuesday night, Little Kitten Heels, Grace was out. <laughs> I know Neil's watched this. Neil and Izzy have both watched this as well. So I'm the only one left now to watch Saltburn, but it is, it's on my list. I'll get there eventually. I read the Guardian review of Saltburn not long after I watched it, and they describe Emerald Fennell as a director who makes films about vibes, that she is vibe-focused when it comes to her films rather than anything substantive. And I think that's a fair shout, because I think the same with... Um, oh, what was the film that she won with a couple of years ago? Promising mm -hmm. Girl. Promising Young Woman. Promising Young Woman, yeah. It's the same thing. In the moment, you think, yeah, this is a really interesting film. It's saying something that's not really being said properly. It's being explored. It looks great. I'm enjoying the journey that we're on. And the final, you know, half hour or whatever, where it all comes together. But then, I don't know, just a bit later on, you think, well, actually, what did it really say? It had an opportunity to really discuss and, and look into something but it didn't really, much like I said with Echoes, we have this kind of base surface level look at something, but there's no real detailed discussion about, for example, with Saltburn, Barry Keown's character is fleshed out. The others aren't. The others are very 2D. And indeed, the, the character that he becomes obsessed with, there is, there's nothing there. He, he is a, a man of no consequence. He has no personality other than he is incredibly good looking and very wealthy. I think that's probably my issue. Yeah, I, I I see all of that. I really do. And I think what you were saying about vibes, that she 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 creates films that are vibes, I think that's very, very fair. I was just here for the vibe. I just really enjoyed that. And maybe it is a bit of a commentary that they're also 2D because they're also wealthy. They're actually not very interesting people. <laughs> 
take a bow, yeah. Rosamund Pike. Absolute peak Pike right there. And Richard E. Grant plays a great part. And I just, I thought that as a film, it did exactly what it was, I think, was trying to do. And it did it really well. If you think too much about it, you're probably going to get a bit frustrated. So I just didn't, I just danced around, not in the nude, through my massive mansion. <laughs> Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it asks that question, are we human or are we dancer? That was previously asked around that era by, I'm not entirely sure because white men playing guitars is not my music. <laughs> Adam, I think you should watch it and let us know what you think. I will do. I'll, I'll, I'll bump it up the list and get it watched. Don't watch it with close family. Okay. Don't watch it on the train. Okay. <laughs> Don't watch that on the train, make sure the kids are fast asleep. There is one particular scene in the garden that you will not want to watch in public. I mean, there's one, a famous one that involves a bath, but I don't think it is as intense as the garden scene. But the same, I mean, what what is the point of those scenes other than to shock? They don't necessarily do that much, but I think I've covered this enough. Yeah, I, I, they are to shot. Sorry, I know we're talking about this, but the garden scene that you're talking about, I think we're talking about the same one. I've yeah. been reflecting on that scene a little more. And actually, one thing, thought that came to my mind is that, you know, a lot of the time growing up as women, we're told that that's quite shameful and not very sexy and kind of gross. And boys are going to find it gross. If you've seen the scene, you'll know what I mean. And actually to see it in a bit more of a kind of a bit unsettling, no doubt, but to see that as a like, it was kind of sexy. I was like, that's fresh. That's new. I've never seen that before. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. I haven't seen that before either. It was a bold choice. But like you said, it's vibes. Vibes, pure vibes. But now, colour me intrigued. Um... <laughs> Red's the colour, probably. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah, yeah. Shall I tell you what I've been watching? Go on then. Otherwise, we'll talk about Saltburn forever. Okay, so I've watched quite a few shows I've enjoyed. I'm going to kick off with True Love. This is on Channel 4. I think it's the first three episodes, maybe four out already. And this stars Clark Peters, uh, Peter Egan, oh, a couple of other brilliant people. And it's about a group of elderly friends. They are in their later years. And you, we open with them at a funeral. And eventually they get to sort of talking about end of life and quality of life at the end. And they make this pact, essentially, to help euthanise each other. And if I'd been asked to write a script about that basic premise, I think I could have probably hit all the beats that are there in that first episode, apart from the final five minutes of the show, which were really shocking, very well done. Having said that, even I'm not old enough to have written lines like, see you at the next funeral, unless it's yours, or bungalow hospice crematorium. I mean, I am a third of the way there and I live in a bungalow. But the cast are all really brilliant and I think this is time well spent so I'm, I'm really enjoying this and we'll continue to watch it. What's that on? That's on Channel 4 and yeah, Clark, Clark Peters just exquisite in everything that he does, right? The rest of the cast are all are really strong as well. I started watching Class of 09. This is on Disney Plus and I did watch this whilst quite tired, the first episode anyway, in two separate sittings so I'm not sure with this one that I got all of the plot beats that I was supposed to but we get the past present and future of Poet uh, who's played by the enigmatic Kate Mara um, and her journey through FBI training undercover work and something odd happening in the future that was the bit I was quite hazy on from that first episode but I think it's really well made I think it's intriguing I think as the series goes on we learn more about the other three agents from the class and yeah some really good moments within it it's, it's a little slow i would say the first three four episodes that i've watched so far but i am enjoying it so if you had to choose between echoes and class of 09 which one would you pick that is really tricky i would probably pick class of 09 i mean i am a big marvel fan and i and uh but i've only watched i've watched enough of class of 09 to know that i think it's a good show and I haven't seen enough of Echo yet to properly form an opinion, I guess. <laughs> if you ask me to rank them, I'd probably put Class of 09 above it right now, but that could all change. 
Now, I've also watched something on Paramount Plus that I've enjoyed, uh, which is The Accused. And we talked about this uh, sort of last time round. This is taken from a UK format. There was a UK version of Accused. Um, and this is the American version. But it's basically five different stories. And in each story, uh, you have no idea what crime is being accused or what led the character to that place. So the first episode starts with Michael Chiklis, uh, who was I'm a big fan of Michael Chiklis from The Shield. Um, it's a very different role from him this time. But he's on his way into court and he's the father of a disaffected young boy. He's called a murderer and asked what he'd say to his son if he was still alive. And then from there, you learn what he's done and whether he is guilty or whether he's found guilty or not it's really clever storytelling the kind of moral and ethical questions that are, are raised in a compelling and convincing way i'm halfway through the fourth episode and the subsequent episodes deal with rape white supremacists gun law and internet trolls so it's not afraid to tackle big hefty issues but yeah i think it does they're all standalone episodes so you can dip in and out watch one but i'm enjoying that and then the other new show that i've been watching is criminal record i'm only one episode into this this is on apple tv plus um it's really well written the performances from kush jumbo and peter capaldi i think are really quite special and i think this is quite a character-led crime show so we get information on a domestic violence victim who claims a man's been wrongfully arrested for a murder some years before. And that information does get repeated in the first episode quite a lot, but it's done in an authentic way. And it reveals a lot about the people who are receiving that information. So each time it's passed on, we're learning something about the characters who are learning the information, if you like. Um, so we get the call handler, we get Kush Jumbo's character, who's a detective sergeant, her boss, and then the original detective, played by Peter Capaldi. Yeah, so I really enjoyed this. Really dramatic ending to the first episode as well. I'm not going to say anything more, otherwise it would be spoilery. But I'm in for this. And a quick shout out for Carolina Maine, who was in Unforgotten and Foundation and appeared in The Doll's House that we did at The Space. Nice. And I finished The Tourist. How was it? Well, the final twist, I think, is good. This final, final twist at the end of the second season, I think, is strong. Did it make the whole thing worthwhile? I'm not sure. I'm a little bit undecided on that still. There were definite flaws in the second season. I watched the final one with Catherine, and she was pretty much of the same opinion, that some really good moments, some really funny stuff in there. But overall, it felt a little bit like they didn't have enough story for a second season. I think this might answer my question. Do you think there'll be a third season? Uh, I kind of hope not. I mean, they could. They could spin out another season of it. But I kind of hope they... They don't. He was absolutely smashed in the ratings by Mr. Bates in the post office. Interesting. I don't want to say that the reason why everyone's talking about Mr. Bates versus the post office is because of our episode and the interview that we had with Dickon. But is it not a bit interesting that after we release our episode, suddenly everyone's talking about it? Suddenly the government is talking about changing policy? I don't know. <laughs> the power of TV DNA. Should we quickly talk about what's coming soon? Let's bash through this, shall we? So actually already out is After the Flood. Uh, it's came out today at the time of recording on ITVX. When an unidentified man was found dead in an underground car park after a devastating flood, PC Joanna Marshall is commissioned to investigate the truth of the man's death. And this stars uh, Sophie Rundle and Philip Glenister. And there's a lot of a lot of water, I think. Uh, some impressive flood action going on. Is there anything, is it got anything to do with climate change or the Bible? That's a good question. I don't really know yet. I, I, <laughs> seen, I think it's mostly about Sophie Rundle's um, police constable and, uh, and dealing with whatever this crime thing is that's happened. Okay. Sounds interesting. But not as interesting as something else that comes out next week. Grace. Thanks, Damo. I mean, I was talking earlier about being uninspired, and I think I might have found the solution. On the 15th of January, True Detective Night Country is coming out on Sky and Now TV. This is something we've been waiting for and looking forward to for probably about a year, do you think, guys? So this is Jodie Foster taking being part of the True Detective world. So this series, it's set in Alaska. And it unravels, oh, okay, I mean, this is the copy where it unravels the macabre and perplexing fate of a group of scientists who go missing from an Arctic research centre, perfect for winter watching, starring Jodie Foster and professional boxer 
Callie Reese and supported by Christopher Eccleston. Love Christopher Eccleston and Fiona Shaw. Should we say National Treasure Fiona Shaw? I was about to suggest National Treasure Fiona Shaw. Absolutely. I think the other question is, how good do you think the knitwear is going to be? There must be some amazing knitwear in this season, right? Oh, my God. I mean, I've been bereft of good knitwear on telly since the killing finished. So this is a thrill. Surely uh, National Treasure and or's Fiona Shaw. And or what? <laughs> Are we going to do specials on this? Are we going to do it week by week? I'd like to. Yes, please. It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Grand. Yeah. Very exciting. I think Woody Harrison and Matthew McConaughey are exec producers or producers on this series as well. So, did either of you watch the series between the first one and this one? Because I think I watched series two and I wasn't bothered. But has there been a series three? Yes, with Mashar Ali, and he's brilliant in it. So, if you want something to watch between now and the 15th, crack on to season three. It is. An amazing show. It's in three different time periods and you can tell because he has a different haircut in each time period and they are all quality trims. <laughs> Similarly to Class of 09, they use, they use a really good different palette, colour palette. So they all each time period has a really different feel to it. But um, yeah, I only watched season one last year of True Detective. Uh, so I haven't yet caught up on the other two. I had another point to make. I've forgotten. It doesn't matter. And you know what I commit to right now? I promise I'm going to watch this in the right order. <laughs> we'll hold you to that. Please do. Please do. Lorca Mussy, The Artful Dodger is the next show we're going to talk about. Craig David. Uh, set in a- Craig David, thank you very much. <laughs> I was so busy trying to think of quotes from the... From Oliver, I completely forgot to do a, a UK garage quote. Thank you so much for that, Grace. <laughs> All right, in 1850s Australia, 15 years after the events of Oliver Twist, Jack Dawkins' past returns to haunt him as he moves back to the world of crime after leaving behind pickpocketing to become a surgeon. And the tagline is, the Dodger will see you now. And it stars Thomas Brody Sangster, David Thulis, Tim Minchin, and Australian youngsters Maya Mitchell and Lucy Rose Leonard. Yeah, I watched the trailer for this. I think I think it's quite exciting. I think David Thulis will be a brilliant Fagin. And I've just watched Thomas Brody Sangster in Godless, which I know Izzy's been watching, and Tim Minchin in that other show with the piano, the name of which I forgot, Upright, which was on my watch list from Izzy. Yeah, I'm up for this. Please, Adam, can we have some more upcoming shows? I'll give you one more. We've got Has Been Hotel, which comes onto Prime Video on the 19th of January uh, in an attempt to find a non-violent alternative for reducing hell's overpopulation. The daughter of Lucifer opens a rehabilitation hotel that offers a group of misfit demons demons, a chance at redemption. Now, this is an adult animated comedy musical. Have we ever had one of those before, ever? I No, adult animated comedy musical. No. You know, animated musicals, right? That's normally Disney. And this right. is very much not that. No, I mean, come on down. But the voice acting cast includes Erica Henningsen, Stephanie Beatrice, and lots of other Broadway stars. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to watch the first one and see how it goes. Cool. Uh, quick question for you. Adam, are you ready? I, I am ready. Damo, are you ready? Which whistle do I go on? <laughs> Gladiators is back on BBC One on the 13th of Jan. I think it's been back for a while, hasn't it? I I haven't tuned in myself, but some listeners may be excited about this. I think there was a failed reboot a while ago, but this is the start of a new era of Gladiators. Whole new, brand new Gladiators, uh, new show. Uh, it's Bradley Walsh and his son, whose name I've forgotten, who are co-hosting it. There has been, I believe, two failed reboots at Gladiator. I'm really hoping it works. I think we've had lots of shows like that have become very big again. So I think there is a there is space for it. I just hope that, I don't know, yeah, I, I don't know. I'll give it a watch, though. I mean, in the days before your reality singing competitions, Saturday nights were all about Baywatch, followed by The Gladiators. Absolutely. I saw The Gladiators live at Wembley many years ago. That is that is a boast there, Damo. Yeah, Flex Central over here. Um, <laughs> but I was I was gutted, right? Because obviously Cobra was my favourite gladiator. 
but he he had an he had an injured leg so he didn't perform as twere he just kind of hobbled around on crutches every so often and i had to watch the i had to watch wolf over and over again yuck wolf was my favorite he brought the chaos <laughs> Let's move on to news quickly before we get to our Emmy predictions, which we're, we, we do need to cover in this pod. I've got a couple of questions for you, actually. Damien, how do you feel about Caitlin Deaver and young Mazzino, who played Paul in Beef? Yeah, great. Uh, enjoyed them in Beef. Well, Caitlin Deaver has been cast as Abby and young Mazzino has been cast as Jesse in The Last of Us season two. Okay. Does that does that meet with the in the game approval? This is a thing that I'm absolutely here for vibes. So that I don't mind. I think they're all great actors. I don't care if someone looks a specific way or looks differently to the character. I just care that the story is served well and they're great actors. So I'm I'm totally down with it. I'm not part of hashtag toxic fan base. <laughs> Grant, Grace, my question for you then. How do you feel about Anna Maxwell Martin? Well, I get told I look like her a lot, which I don't know how to take, especially when she's in Motherland and highly strung. Well, she's going to be appearing alongside David Mitchell in a new case of the week crime comedy drama called Ludwig. It's just started filming for the BBC. And uh, I think Ludwig is a little bit of a take on Luther in that um, his name's John Ludwig something. But yeah, this is basically, he, he plays a twin uh, who's, he's, his twin brother is a detective um, who disappears mysteriously and David Mitchell's character takes his place, basically, pretends to be him to, in order to try and solve his brother, his own brother's disappearance. But yeah, sounds quite quite good. And Anna Maxwell Martin is, is brilliant and I think will be a, a good foil for David Mitchell. For sure. Ich habe eine kleine Frage about that. Does that mean that because it's called Ludwig that it may be in some way German or maybe have some kind of Germanic action to it? I don't... I... Not that I could tell from the limited amount that I read. He's a puzzle creator. So like he doesn't have a phone or a laptop or a TV. And so he goes by the pseudonym of Ludwig as a puzzle creator. And so that I think is where his name comes from. God, imagine not having a TV. Oh. Well, imagine not having a phone. That really helps set up some narrative issues that are hard to deal with if the guy is not contactable by mobile phone or cannot just quickly Google something. It's a yeah. good conceit. Yeah. Definitely. The other bit of news I wanted to just cover is a, a bit of a, an apology. Um, I was misinformed and Fear the Walking Dead is not actually available now for free on Prime Video. So you don't get it with your subscription. You can buy or rent it from Prime Video. But the final season of Fear the Walking Dead still is not available within your subscription. Devastating. Any other bits of news that you want to cover? Or should, we, should we move on to the Emmys? Let's move on. But um, I actually have to go because um, my dinner's ready. Sorry. No, no, thanks for joining us, Grace. It's been lovely to have you on. I miss time of baked potato. I hope that we've given you some, you know, food for thought as to what to watch on telly next. Yeah. Next up for me is finishing Reservation Dogs. That's the most, that's the biggest priority. And then I'm open to all suggestions. Well, you can't go far wrong with a Fargo. Lovely. All right, then, ta-ra. Okay, we won't, we won't dwell on these for too long, Demo. Yeah. God, but Grace can really exit a Zoom incredibly quickly listeners i can't explain it it's in it's with a media for everyone else is kind of like that awkward wave trying to find the leave button it's clinical the way chapman you, leaves the zoom you think she just slams the laptop <laughs> it's not a euphemism no but yeah off air we've made our any predictions and yes. i'm going to post all of these in full on our social media but let's just quickly run through some of it now so uh so drama series demo uh both Neil and I have gone for Succession and you've gone for Better Call Saul as the, the winner of the drama series, Best Drama Series Award. I had thought it was going to be a two-horse race between Succession and The Last of Us. You reckon Better Call Saul's got a shout? So, as, as I said in, in the email, normally I'm very kind of wily, sometimes savvy with my predictions. I go for what I think will win, but... This time I've gone for what I want to win. So, yeah, Last of Us, Succession, amazing shows. I've loved them. But Better Call Saul deserves awards, and this is it. There are no other... Succession has had awards. The Last of Us has another series to come. 
this is this is the last roll of the dice for Better Call Saul, and it's not going to get it, but it deserves it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the Emmys love Succession, and I think it's going to probably score quite highly again this year. But I have gone for The Last of Us in the directing for a drama series, same episode as you did, Long Long Time. Neil's gone for Connor's Wedding in Succession on that one. We've all picked the same lead actress in a drama series, and we've all gone for Sarah Snook in Succession. Um, but both you and Neil have gone for Bob Odenkirk in Better Call Saul in the lead actor in a drama series. And I was really conflicted about this one, but I've gone with Jeremy Strong in succession. What I will also say is I've gone for Sarah Snook, hashtag Team Shiv, for best leading actress because Reese Horn is down as best supporting. She is the lead in that show and she would have got my vote had she been in that category. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I definitely agree. I think she is the lead. But I think it's their choice as to who they, what category they go in. So maybe she just feels like she's got, I don't know. I don't know whether it's modesty or whether it's wanting to have a better chance at getting the award I don't know um, I think it's a really strong category I think Sharon Horgan in Bad Sisters Melanie Linsky in Yellow Jackets certainly Bella Ramsey in The Last of Us and Kerry Russell in The Diplomat I mean Elizabeth Moss in The Handmaid's Tale I mean she's she has won Emmys before quite a few times so I wouldn't be surprised to see her win it but I think those other five actually are all really strong I think usually when we do this, the categories that I always find hardest to pick are usually best lead actress and best supporting actress. I usually find that they are the tightest ones, so to speak. That's really unfortunate, actually, to say that. But yeah, I think rather than best leading actor or supporting actor, the actress ones are usually far harder to call. Well, as if to prove your point, we have all gone for the same supporting actor in a drama series, which is Matthew McFadden in Succession. I think he's probably a shoe, and it's a complete shootout between the White Lotus and Succession in that all eight nominees come from those two shows. Um, we're a little bit more split on supporting actress in a drama series in that both you and Neil have gone for Ray Seahorn. Um, I just don't think they're going to give it to her. Um, and I've gone for I've gone for a repeat, actually, for Jennifer Coolidge in the White Lotus to win again, because I think she was pretty incredible in that second season of that show. She's an icon in that show, right? These gays are trying to murder me or whatever. It's, it was, I mean, that was huge, that line. Uh, don't get me wrong. It was another one of those ones where I looked at and I was like, well, I mean, there's, she's undoubtedly phenomenal in it, but I just think Ray deserves a, an award. She should have got it for previous seasons. She is brilliant in the final season, but she probably should have got it for the season before. Um, but yeah, what can you do? I mean, I would almost, I would almost prefer it. I would prefer it if Ray Seahorn won it. Um, I'd almost prefer it if Aubrey Plaza won it. I just think it's going to be Coolidge again. I mean, Elizabeth Debicki picked it up, picked up the Golden Globe this week, didn't she, for for the Crown? But I don't think I know the Crown is again another Emmy favourite. But yeah, let's leave guest actors and actresses. Well, you can check out what we thought of those on the socials. Uh, comedy series, we're all split on this one. So I've gone for the Bear as the best comedy series. Neil's gone for Only Murders in the Building and you've gone with Poker Face. It was a strong, strong lineup this year. Got the final season of Barry in there as well. I thought Jury Duty was very good. Uh, Wednesday, Ted Lasso. I mean, the thing is, I don't really think The Bear is a comedy. Yeah, it was, it was a surprise to have it in this, this category. I think the second season is more comedic than the first one, um, but this is the first one that we're talking about. Um, the second season came out after these Emmy nominations were made but yeah i do think it's the strongest of the shows in that list uh, well that's just why i didn't vote because i didn't think it was a comedy yeah no fair enough i mean we've both gone for jeremy allen white in the bearers lead actor you went for natasha leone in poker face as the lead actress in a comedy series and neil and i have gone for jenna ortega as wednesday again a really strong lineup there quinta brunson who possibly won it last time for abbott elementary i think would be in with a shout again and then supporting actress you and Neil have both gone for Hannah Waddingham in Ted Lasso, and I've gone for Io Edabiri in The Bear. I think The Bear swept the Golden Globes in the comedy categories pretty much. So we'll see what happens there. I echo that again. I think she's absolutely phenomenal in The Bear, but I don't see The Bear season one as a comedy, which is another reason why she didn't get it. And also the Ted Lasso is not this final series, is it? It's the series before. Yeah. So Hannah Waddingham has stuff to do in the penultimate series, and she's amazing in it. Yeah. That's fair. And then supporting actor in a comedy series, we're all split. So uh, I've gone for Anthony Carrigan in Barry. Uh, Neil's gone for Henry Winkler in Barry. And Phil Dunst, uh, sorry, Phil Dunst has gone for Damien Cooper in Ted Lasso. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, so that that could be a decider in the comedy category for who gets the most wins there. Let's quickly jump on to limited series. We have both gone with Beef as the winner. Again, Beef was the big winner in the Golden Globes. Uh, Neil has gone for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Of course he has. He loves the Star Wars. Has Neil watched Beef? I don't know if he's even watched Beef. I don't think he has, no. That, that maybe why he hasn't voted for it then. I think if he had, as much as he fancies you and McGregor, maybe he might be uh, might be talked into going for beef instead had he seen it. There are a lot of fans out there of Dharma Monster, the Jeffrey Dharma story. I am not one of them. I still, I did try again because I try and watch as many of these Emmy shows as I can. I tried again, but I still couldn't get through the first episode of that, that show. I think Daisy Jones and the Six and Fleischman is in trouble were both good, but I think beef is definitely the standout of them all. So we've both gone for Stephen Yun and Ali Wong in the lead actor and actresses roles for Beef. Uh, Neil agrees with the lead actress, but he's gone for Taron Egerton in Blackbird uh, for the lead actor. Uh, we've both gone for Paul Walter Hauser in supporting actor in that uh, category. And Neil's gone for Ray Liotta in Blackbird. But again, I don't think he's seen that show. I mean, Paul Walter is just phenomenal in Blackbird. Um, yeah. It's um it's it's true because I think Taron Egerton is really good in Blackbird, but I don't think he has enough really. It's it feels like it's Paul Waterhouse's show. Yeah, definitely. I think what Paul Waterhouse does in that is just so brilliant and creepy. And um, yeah, I, I really hope he wins it. Well, Neil and I have agreed on outstanding supporting actress in a limited series. We've gone for Claire Danes in Fleischman is in trouble, whereas you've got Maria Bello from Beef. In there. I did watch uh, one of the shows that I've been meaning to watch and hadn't um, was nominated in a few categories as Tiny Beautiful Things. Um, so this is the Catherine Hahn uh, show. Merritt Weaver got a supporting actress nomination for this. And I'm, I, I do really like Merritt Weaver. Again, somebody else I've been watching in Godless. The first episode of Tiny Beautiful Things, I think, would put a lot of people off because Catherine Hahn is drunk, angry, screaming and shouting at people, crying. It's a really, really hard thing to sort of get into. But there's some really lovely moments in there and I think a lot more a lot more in the second episode. So I'm two episodes into Tiny Beautiful Things and I think I will go on and finish it. But I didn't get time to watch any of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel or George and Tammy or some of the other things that were nominated up there. So I'm going to draw the line under the Emmy nominations after watching Tiny Beautiful Things. So Adam, you're, you're obviously going to share this to our socials, which are at Pod on Instagram and Twitter slash X or whatever the hell you want to call it. You can also find us on Facebook, TV Space DNA in the search bar. So yeah, please let us know what your thoughts are on this. Any absolute criminal decisions on our parts, we want to hear. Yes, indeed. And do um, listen back to some of our recent episodes. We've had a lot of listens to our uh, Mr Bates versus the Post Office ep- episode, which includes that brilliant interview with Dick and Tolson. Uh, still have our Christmas special and review of the year pods uh, as, as well. And we will be back soon with... Well, I'm going to do another University Challenge episode with Neil. And then we're going to be back probably next week sometime with True Detective Night Country. Yep, that's our watch list show for next week. No surprise there. We've been trailing it for a year. <laughs> well, thanks for doing this, Damo. Likewise. I'll see you in on. Indeed. Bye.